All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, episode 56. We are sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park and Clay County's only brew pub. And I do want to give a shout out to NW Izzard, a local band here in Jacksonville that's been uh, very kind to let us use their music for the intros. Uh, I know they had a new single come out here recently, so definitely want to uh, shout that out, and we will put that in the podcast description. So uh, check them out, pretty good music. Um, today we do have a special guest, Jimmy Seatman. He is a Big Cat Country con- contributor. He actually had a really good article that I read uh, lately that was kind of thought-provoking, kind of interesting, uh, something I didn't didn't really consider. Um, and so I thought we'd have him on and kind of chat with him about it a little bit. So, uh, Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I'm always down to, to talk about some Jaguars football, especially as we uh, as we were now into training camp. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely like people that kind of take interesting uh, approaches to writing and, and kind of uh, uh, maybe a more controversial uh, idea like the, the one that you proposed. And we'll kind of get into that in a second. Um, but first things first, because I did read this on your Twitter bio and you, you kind of sent me this as well. Um, you are a lifelong Jaguars fan, born and raised in Maryland. How did that come to pass? Yeah, um, so, you know, you know, I, I got to got into football originally from my parents. Um, one of my parents born and raised in Philadelphia. My mom is an Eagles fan. My dad born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is a Packers fan. So kind of didn't want to choose between those teams. And uh, I don't know. I just, I was one of those kids who I, I didn't really like going with like the flow of everybody else. And so it wasn't, you know, I was never going to be a Redskins fan because my mom was, uh, my mom would have killed me. <laughs> and then the Ravens, I just, just, just wasn't really feeling them. And for the Jaguars, it just, you know, I, I liked the, like, you know, I was a little kid. I thought the Jaguar, the animal was cool. It helped that they're, you know, one of the best players at the time was Jimmy Smith. And I was like, oh, he has the same name as me. And they're also pretty good, too. So, uh, you know, I just, I just, I was just like, you know what, this is my team. And, you know, from about like three years old on, it just, you know, I love the Jaguars and I fell in love with those late 90s teams. You know, I still remember, uh, you know, crying after they lost the AFC championship game, um, in 1999, uh, and it's kind of been a little downhill since then, but I've always supported them no matter what. I've been able to go down to Jacksonville a couple of times since then. It's always a great experience. Um, people I've went with to say they're one of the more family friendly organizations in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, I've supported them ever since. And there's really, you know, I, I know a couple of people up here who are Jaguars fans actually, but, for the most part, uh, you know, it's you know you don't find a lot of them up here, and uh, I, I get a lot of crap. Uh, but <laughs> but I mean, you know what? People just know me as that dude who likes the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's it's very unique, and I've always loved them, and I follow them. Um, luckily, you know, with technology these days, it's been easy to to really follow them, and and their team website, especially growing up, was always really uh really good and really inclusive. So. I, you know, I follow them forever and I love them and, uh, they, they break my heart, but you know, I, I love them to death. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Cause like Malik Jackson said, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. So we'll rebound. All right. Um, but, uh, and I don't know how you feel about that prediction, but I tend to be, <laughs> I tend to be a homer. So I, uh, I feel like it's a pretty solid well, prediction. It's like, what are you supposed to say in that scenario? Like, I mean, like I, I get that. Like when they make it a headline, that's like a, a funny thing to joke about. Yeah. But like if you ask any player on any team, say hey we're gonna win the super like it's really like 
like, of course you want Malik Jackson to believe that. I don't, I don't want him to be like, well, you know, if we go eight and eight, that'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, no, like right. he's, he, 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 you know, he, what do you expect him to say? It's like, it's like when people get drafted and they say, well, what do you want to be? And they say, well, I want to be the best player that ever lived. Like, I, of course they're going to say that. I mean, is it going to happen? Probably not. But I just, I mean, I, I'd rather have a team full of guys who say we're going to win the Super Bowl than a team full of guys that are like, oh, if we go six and 10, that'll be fun. Yeah. If we go six and 10 or if we just get better every day, right? Yeah. Every, every, <laughs> every day if you win the day. Uh, yeah. Well, I, 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 try, so. I try not to beat that dead horse too much, but it is kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I will tell you, I, I'm born and raised in Jacksonville. But one of my favorite things to do is to wear, to go out of my way to wear Jaguars attire when we're out of town. Uh, just because, I mean, you do get a lot of looks and a lot of questions. And it's always, uh, it's almost like you're like an alien or something. It's just so, so strange. But I think it's fun, personally. Um but the other point you made about the 99 uh, playoff game, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I suffer uh, from PTSD to this day from that uh, that three losses to the Titans that season. So I totally, uh, totally feel you on that one. But um, kind of with the, you know, the reason I had you on, you know, kind of more of a GM-focused uh, episode, uh, Dave Caldwell, a couple quick hitters on him, obviously, named GM of the team uh, January 8th, 2013. Um, Sports Illustrated actually listed him back in June as being one of the general managers. You know, unsurprisingly, that is listed on the hot seat right now. Overall record of 15 and 49, which I, it's tough. I mean, I know that record's awful, but at the same time, he did kind of come in in a rebuilding period. So I, I try to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but that is pretty tough. Um, and then, of course, uh, multiple time offseason champions, which is uh, super, uh, you know, not relevant. Um, so your, your actual headline was the Jaguars and, you know, of course a controversial headline. I'm sure you expected to get some feedback on this. The Jaguars should hire Dave Gettleman and fire Dave Caldwell. Um, you know, what kind of inspired you to, to write that article? What kind of got you, uh, got you going on that? Yeah. Well, a couple weeks earlier, actually John Dorsey, who is the chief's general manager had been let go. And I thought about it then. Um, but I, I decided to hold back on it a little bit because, uh, you know, the instant feedback would be, oh, every GM who gets fired, uh, we should say this, the Jaguars should hire them instead. And so, But when Gettleman got fired, and I remembered that he had worked um, under Coughlin for nine years and the Giants, it just started to make sense. And it, it's just one of those things where I, I feel like good businesses just in general and good organizations in the NFL – recognize when they have uh, the ability to make an upgrade uh think about it this way like you know the jaguars had chris ivory and tj yeldon on their team going into this offseason uh you know th- those guys are fine players but they saw leonard fournette as such an up leonard fournette is such an upgrade that they couldn't pass adding him onto the team does that mean chris ivory is a bad player no it doesn't it just means that they thought fournette was such a big upgrade and I feel like Gettleman is like that for Caldwell, and you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who still very much back Dave Caldwell, and, and I can understand why to a certain extent. But I, I think even the the person who backs him the most can 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 at least admit that at least Caldwell's tenure has not been a success. There's no way that you can put 15 and 49 and say a success afterward. And here becomes a general manager who comes available who has had success. 
And yes, did he walk into a situation where Cam Newton was his quarterback? Sure, but he also walked into a situation. He also walked into a situation where the team was in complete cat hell, like the exact reverse of where the Jaguars have been the last couple of years. And I, I we can maybe get into, uh, into into Caldwell a little bit later, breaking down some of the, the things he has done right, done wrong, whatever. But uh, you know, Caldwell went into a situation where yes, the Jaguars were a crappy situation because they had one of the maybe one of the worst rosters in the league at that point. But he walked into a space where he had the ability to shape the roster in any way he wanted. He's been able to give out these contracts that are completely front-loaded, big deals to players, players that wouldn't have thought of Jacksonville otherwise. And and then and then if they don't work out, he's just being able to get rid of them. The Toby Gerhards, the Jared Odricks, the Devon Houses, you know, like he you know, yes, he was was given kind of a bad situation. But he also was able to make it like into anything he wanted it to. And think about the 49ers job this offseason. There was a lot of people who were interested in that job. And why is that? Because people saw it as a complete rebuild. There wasn't pressure to come in and win right away. And with Caldwell, I just think people are so afraid of making a change sometimes. And it's just like, why are you afraid to move on from a guy who hasn't actually succeeded? Like maybe he's... He's built something that you think can succeed, but he hasn't actually succeeded yet. Like, if Dave Caldwell, for God forbid, were to have to move on for um, from the Jaguars' GM job because of family issues or personal issues or something, it's not like we'd all be sitting here saying, "Oh my God, what are the Jaguars going to do without Dave Caldwell?" Like he's like he's not seen as irreplaceable. He's not seen as a John Schneider uh, of the Seahawks. He's not seen as a Steve Kime for the Cardinals or a Bill Belichick type like guy. Like if he were to leave tomorrow, like honestly, like would anybody really panic? Right. Like we'd, we'd probably just be like, all right, well, I guess we have to move on. Like he's not irreplaceable. And you always have to be constantly looking for upgrades, whether that's on your roster with the players on your team or your coaching staff or in your front office. And I think good organizations and good businesses realize a chance that they have a chance to make an upgrade. And I saw Gettleman as a guy who was an upgrade and he had the connection to Coughlin. It's, you know, it's just, and I guess one thing I want to say is that I'm not satisfied with just being okay. Like that's kind of the thing I take in my life. Like mediocrity is something I don't satisfy. I, I don't like settle for. And so I feel like sometimes Jaguars fans settle for mediocrity. And honestly, they haven't even been mediocre and they're so afraid to make a change. And so I just, I don't know. I, I think Gettleman would be a good guy to come in. And I wrote that completely knowing it's not going to happen. Right. They're not going to fire Dave Caldwell in August or July or whatever. It's not going to happen. But it wouldn't necessarily be the craziest thing that happened because, you know, Gettleman's going to have a whole season off and then become, come next off season, you know, there's usually six or seven GM jobs available, you know, a lot of the times in the off season. And all of a sudden, if the Jaguars were to pounce on him and make an offer he can't refuse now, that would be great. But like come the offseason, he may have choices and he may choose to go somewhere else because, you know, the Jaguars aren't the most appealing situation. I just feel like it it would have been a good time for the Jaguars to capitalize on someone good being available. And uh, I know they I know they would have never actually done it, but it was just a a thought provoking idea. I know it was going to receive backlash, but I just. It's crazy to me that we're sitting here defending a guy who hasn't won anything yet. It'd be one thing if, like, Caldwell had built the team that 
made the playoffs for the first time in forever. But he hasn't. They haven't even been able to win six games. No, and I I like the and one of the reasons I was really interested in having you on is I like kind of the the thought provoking controversial ideas, just hypothetical situations. I think it's good to have that discussion. Um, one thing that was interesting about Caldwell sticking around after the Coughlin hire was the fact that he stuck around. Like, honestly, I thought when Tom Coughlin would take over that maybe he would just kind of go ahead and, and shift things a complete other direction. But my thought was, and, and tell me if you agree with this or not, and, and it's another reason why I think the Gettleman uh, idea is interesting, is that, you know, a lot of times when uh, a new general manager comes in or, you know, there's new management, they'll they'll consider keeping a you know certain scouts and certain front office people around just for the sake of continuity to kind of to, to kind of you know transition uh in a smooth manner rather than just kind of a, a, an abrupt upheaval so is it possible that maybe this year with Caldwell is just part of a process like that in other words maybe after this season's over and, and Coughlin's kind of you know, implemented his style to the front office, you know, is it possible that maybe they, they do cut ties with Caldwell and maybe Gettleman would be an option next season? Oh, definitely. I mean, and also you could also see Caldwell on the other side saying, you know what, I'm losing power within this organization. I don't want to be, you know, the secondhand man to Tom Coughlin. I mean, it seems this, this offseason Caldwell still had uh, a decent amount of power when it came to signing free agents, like when they talk to the free agents, they're like, Hey, yeah, we talked to Dave Caldwell. Same thing, you know, with the draft pick, it seemed like he ran a lot of that, but we all, you know, I I think with Coughlin, like I think he probably took a pretty hands-off approach to this off season on a lot of different things. And in a year's time, you're right. I mean, either Coughlin could just say, you know what, with Caldwell, we just don't see eye to eye on certain things or Caldwell could just say, you know what, this is just not going how I expected. Now, you know, it'd be hard pressed to say that, a guy would leave a GM job. I mean, there's only 32 of them in the league, but hell, they have a coach who left a head coaching job because he was like, I don't like where this is going. This isn't going good for me and dug her up. Right. So it, it happens sometimes. And um, you're right. I mean, we'll see how things play out. Um, I just, you know, again, like if for some reason Tom Coughlin decided to move on from him next off season, I, I, it's really not the end of the world for that. I don't think any, anybody would be saying, Oh my God, like, you know, they, fired Dave Caldwell, they let him go. What are the Jaguars going to do now? Like, you know, I just don't think he's seen as irreplaceable by anyone. Right. Um, And I don't think a lot of people are in the NFL and people don't realize that, but especially Dave Caldwell. So I I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what Tom Coughlin does and how much power Coughlin really actually has over the organization. Right. Well, the the Dave Gettleman thing is definitely intriguing after reading, you know, some of the the stuff that you wrote and kind of uh, some of the things you pointed out, and we'll be sure to link this in the podcast description, uh, is that he went, I mean, here's my thing. It sounds interesting. The guy went 40, 23 and one, uh, Super Bowl appearance, three division titles you wrote. Why is it that he got fired though? That's the only part. I mean, I'm maybe in a Jaguars bubble where I'm not following the other team's uh, news and, and happenings as much. But how does a guy get fired with that sort of uh, that sort of uh, record? Well, especially the timing was weird because it was right before training camp, so they let him make all the decisions in the off season and then proceeded to fire him. Uh, so that that was even more. I, I think it really has to do with tension in the front office. Gettleman is kind of like Coughlin in, in the way that I mean. He kind of rubs people the wrong way a little bit. Is a little bit of a very business first guy. Um, you know, there are players uh, formerly in the Panthers who he cut, Steve Smith, D'Angelo Williams, who were kind of 
sing their praises when he got a uh, when he got let go. Um, but uh, I, I just think it ha- it has to be at this point in the year. You know, they they just were having tensions in the front office. Um, and the other weird thing is that you would have thought if they would have fired him, they would have done it earlier, specifically because their assistant GM ended up going to the Bills and becoming their GM. So they lost like you know their next guy up kind of that would have been behind Gettleman. Um, and so the timing of it was really weird. I, I just have to think it has to do with Tencent and just not agreeing with, uh, with, you know, and what's crazy is the Panthers hired uh, Martin Mayhew, who is their GM before Gettleman, who was the guy who put them into cap hell and was there when they got the number one overall pick because they were so bad. Wow. So this is, they, they rehired the guy who they f- fired to hire Gettleman. Like that's the craziest thing about the situation. Yeah. Um, and Jerry Richardson, their owner, I guess, preached, oh, you know, Panther family and stuff like that. And we want someone who's going to take care of our own players. And I think Gettleman was sometimes a little less willing to, uh, you know, give out huge contracts to some of the guys. And I mean, that can kind of that, that rubs people the wrong way. But I'd almost rather have someone who's a little more cautious in that aspect than someone who's just flinging out money to all these players. Because that's how the Panthers ended up where they were with almost no cap space by overpaying a lot of guys who were just mediocre. Right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at first, kind of reading his numbers and, and seeing, you know, how a guy like that gets fired, to me, it kind of brought up some red flags. But when you mentioned something like, you know, the timing of the fact that, you know, the time that he got he got fired, but also the fact they lost the assistant general manager, who evidently was a good uh, prospect for, for a potential, uh, you know, GM to the Bills shortly before that, it really seems like more of a top-down issue. I mean, it just sounds like their ownership or, or overall team management's just in disarray or is having some kind of disconnect. So it really, like, hearing that, the context to it all makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. I think, it, I mean, it sounds like a great guy to have on the radar for next year if they end up uh, parting ways uh, with Caldwell for sure. Um, you know, and you've kind of elaborated a little bit on this, but you, you mentioned in one of the lines and you say Dave Caldwell has no leash to you at this point. Um, I, I get a good feel for, for why you feel that way, obviously, and a lot of it has to do just with the wins and losses. But do you have uh, any kind of um, empathy for the fact that, you know, a lot of us have, have said that Gus Bradley has obviously did not turn out to be a good coach, right? So, mm-hmm. of course, Caldwell hired him, was at least part of the process to hire him. Um, is there any empathy that you have for Caldwell in, in that the record that he had as GM was under a coach that we've all determined to be a bad head coach? And does that give him a little bit more leeway to maybe have a year or two more to kind of see how it plays out with a different coach? Okay. So let's say I buy into your philosophy completely that Gus Bradley is the worst coach of all time, which he, he could be. And that, that, that they are bad because Gus Bradley is horrible. Okay. We, 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 let's, 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 let's go with that, right? Okay. So, and that, and that Caldwell has, has made this team better this offseason. Like, could, could, let's put that in there too. Okay. So now I'm expecting a win improvement, right? Now I'm, I'm probably just expecting a win improvement in general by a couple of games just because they got better, right? You know, Calais Campbell, Barry Church, AJ Boye, Leonard Fournette comes in. You know, like, like, like all these things start to go into place. So that, that at least gets them better by a couple of games, right? So let's say that gets them like to six wins, right? And then just the fact that they have an average head coach and not the worst of all time, that has to add on a few more wins, right? So I will buy into that philosophy if they can win eight games this year or nine games this year. That because if they got, if they truly got better because Caldwell made them better, 
and then they truly got better because Barone is just the the median of coaches, and Gus Bradley was the worst. Then it should show this year if Gus Bradley was that bad, it should show significant. They should take a significant stride by the fact that he is not there. So I'll buy into that philosophy, and and I'll give Caldwell the rest of this year. But if they finish like six and ten or something. That's still that's then a that, that's then more of a reflection on Caldwell. And now Caldwell hasn't ha, hasn't been perfect. And there's been things I like he's done that I've liked. Like I like like 2016. I loved that offseason. I know everybody that was the offseason that bought a lot of hype. But I really still think that draft that they had with Ramsey, with um, Ngakwe, with Miles Jack, getting uh, Malik Jackson, Chris Ivory, Deshaun Gibson. Free, I still think that was a really really good offseason. I still like this offseason too. But I guess like my thing would be if Gus Bradley was such a bad coach, they should see an immediate response to wins this year. Like if he was really holding them back that much, it should be immediate that we see they are just tremendously better. And I'm not talking about like the two game sample size they saw at the end of last year when Marone took over. I need to see it over the, the stretch of a whole season where like they take a big step because right, of that. Right. No, that's that's reasonable. That's reasonable for sure. Well, back to the the Gettleman thing just cuz I find it intriguing. So, one of the reasons you had pointed him out as a potential replacement uh, in the future or perhaps this offseason, all you said although you said that would be unrealistic and probably is long gone by now, but potentially next offseason is that he has history with Coughlin. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that history with Tom Coughlin and why that seems to make a lot of sense? Yeah, I mean, he for for nine years was the director of of, um, of player personnel and scouting for the Giants. Um, you know, uh, Coughlin. Uh, you know, while he was just the head coach, and I guess you couldn't say he worked under him because he worked in the front office. Coughlin still had a lot of power within that organization. So Gettleman was one of his guys, and uh, Gettleman was somebody who was again uh, very sought after um, the off season that he was hired. Uh, in 2013, he's someone who, again, is seen as a very, very just um, complete business person. You know, he's going to do what's best for the team, you know, no matter what. He's a pure scout at heart. It's a guy who spent, you know, 20, 25 years as, as, you know, doing some sort of scouting in the league. So he's just, you know, complete football lifer type of guy. And so uh, I, that's the other thing that connects it back. And so, like, when I said, you know, when John Dorsey got fired from the Chiefs, again, another winning organization, um, I, you know, again, tempted to write something about that, but Gettleman actually makes perfect sense because, I mean, you know, I mean, I have no idea if Tom Coughlin, like, actually really likes Gettleman. I can't say that, but it's hard to, like, work with someone for nine years and not feel like they have, they don't have some sort right, of rapport. Right. No, absolutely. That makes total sense. Well, it's definitely uh, interesting, and uh, I like uh, where you're going with this stuff, and I hope you uh, definitely have you on my radar more to just kind of keep an eye out on what you're writing next. Um because I like, I mean, I like the hypothetical stuff like that. I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. I think it's good discussion. And honestly, I liked it mostly because it's original and different. And a lot of times, uh, you know, Jaguars fans and a lot of times the media, you know, we're beating a dead horse so much on the same old things all the time. It's kind of, it's kind of nice and refreshing to see some different, uh, some different thoughts and some different angles. So with that being said, you know, is there anything else that you're working on right now or anything that you, you kind of want to plug? Yeah. Um, so uh gonna be going over like positional reviews on the defensive side. Uh, Zach Goodall did all the offensive ones. I'm gonna be doing all the defensive, you know, defensive line, linebackers, cornerback, safeties. Also, uh, I'm gonna be working on something where 
uh, you know, throughout the training camp and the preseason, uh, the, you know, the 10 most important guys for the Jaguars this offseason. Um, so not necessarily the best players, but uh, the most important guys to, you know, who's going to help them win. Um, so I'll be working on that. And then also, you know, throughout the season, be writing about them. I'm actually excited for real games to be happening because people always complain that we don't actually give enough analysis. Well, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, produce material at a time when there's like none. So I'm actually really looking forward to actually being able to break down some games and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, no, I'll have, I'll have plenty of work coming on Big Cat Country. Uh, you can, you know, you can find me there and you can yell at me and tell me that I'm stupid and that I should go to hell and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, personally message me on Facebook. That's how some people like to do it. So, so what? Uh, what yeah. is that, by the way? Because I do occasionally, um, it, it seems like it's the worst on uh, either the SB Nation site or on the Facebook comment section at least. Um, like, what is that? Why do you think people are so like not even vocal but just kind of like crazy about the responses they have to some of the stuff that you guys write so like like, i understand that like people want positivity right like you're a fan of a team like it's a crazy thing to be a fan of a team and dedicate so much time to it and people want to read positive things they like reading those articles like five reasons why the jaguars will be really good this year and stuff like that and i mean it's I understand like why people want that, but like people just seem to not like that a lot of the people who write at Big Cat Country and and I promise you we don't tell each other like oh yeah let's like write these negative articles and stuff like that or no like we just all have a certain opinion and we different differentiate on some things but you know they they just don't like the fact that I think we view the team in a negative light and I'm sorry but like I mean they've won you know. 15 games the last four years and 17 the last five. Like, I mean, they have legitimately been the worst franchise of football. And even if you feel like there's a bright spot, you know, I mean, unfortunately there's not a lot of positive things to say about the team. And I think people want that positivity. And look, I will, I will write the most positive articles if they start out the season like three and one, I will praise Doug Marone. I'll praise Blake Bortles, all this other stuff. But until that happens, I kind of just want to see it happen. And that's kind of our approach and and people just, you know, and people just like to tell you that you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, it's just, it's Facebook comments. I mean, you go on Facebook comments on anything (laughs) and they're, they're, um, they're really terrible. I also wanted to say one more thing before I I go. So, um, just about Dave Caldwell in general. So people like a lot of times like to say, uh, oh, it takes time to rebuild. It takes time. There have been, so many teams who have started the rebuild either before or like right when the Jaguars did or afterward who have now like are on the other side of that rebuild or going up from it. Right. Like, let me give you an example. The Tennessee Titans went two and 14 in 2015. They were worse than the Jaguars. And then they hired the coach that everybody in the Jaguars community laughed at Mike Malarkey. And we're all like, Oh man, what are they doing? They're so stupid. I don't know. Well, they go out and win nine games the next year. Nine. They were 2-14. and 14. They were worse than the Jaguars. And now they're on a better side of the rebuild. And you got people predicting this year they're going to win 12 games and stuff like that. You know, the the, the Chiefs were 2-14 and 14 the same year as the Jaguars. have made the playoffs every single year since then. Um, you know, the like the Bills have, have picked in the top five, have had a winning record since then. The Eagles picked in the top five, have had a winning record since then. Um it's just like people act like, oh, this this is going to take forever and stuff like that. The Redskins, 
who who I live in this area and and people and they're the joke a lot of the times have been to the playoffs and they picked in the top five twice since the Jaguars had been under Dave Caldwell. The the Texans the same thing they were they were worse than the Jaguars in 2014, and they've made it to the playoffs two years in a row. This idea that like rebuilds need to take like five years to happen is just right. like horse crap. Like and like I, and that's like one of the reasons I'm frustrated with Caldwell is because people are like he needs patience. He needs patience. It takes a while. Rome wasn't built in one day. And no, like there's all these teams who have rebuilt during the same time and they're doing fine. Like I just again, I don't like settling for mediocrity. And so that's really one thing that always bothers me. People always say oh, you need to be patient. I'm tired of being patient. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it makes sense, and I and I I can pretty much assume that you're totally, or at least were totally, excited about the Coughlin hire, just from the perspective that the the team mindsets shifted from rebuild or get better to let's just win. Uh, I mean, I I I will say this: I I wasn't really excited about the Coughlin hire, and especially because of the Marone. I, I felt like they should have just completely changed ship, um, and I still do. But I do feel a little better about it now that it's not like, oh, like, you know, get better every single day. I, I like Marone. I'm interested. I'm actually giving him a chance um, because he, he had success in Buffalo. And the interesting thing about Doug Marone, his last season in Buffalo, he went 9-7. and seven, And Kyle Orton, who retired the next year, started the majority of those games. So if we're talking about a coach who knows how to win with a limited quarterback, Doug Marone can kind of do that. So I'm really actually interested to see what – Barone can actually do. Um, I'm willing to give him a chance. I just, I'm just done with Caldwell, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to the season. I, I think I'm probably gonna have them going like six and ten, but I'm really praying that they actually pull through and and do better because, I, I mean, what do you, you know? Here's my question to you: Like, if they go like six and ten ish, and Blake Bortles is just like okay, like what do you do? Uh, I mean, I definitely think if they go six and ten, that that Caldwell's probably a goner. I don't know about Bortles. I mean, it just have to depend on the whole season as a whole. I mean, the stats are important, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I'm I'm too stuck on the the Super Bowl prediction by Malik Jackson right now to be focusing on those negatives. All right. And, and you, know, you know what they need to do if they can host a home play, if they can win, somehow win the division, they host a home playoff game. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there and, I, and I'm gonna go down to Everbank. <laughs> That's what I've been saying that for a while. I'm like they, you know, I, I wanted to go down there, but because uh, I haven't been in like probably six years. They do that. I'm buying tickets and I'm buying a plane ticket. I'm going right down there and uh, you know hit it. You know, uh, you know, just uh, have fun with Bold City Brigade and all those people. And, uh, you know, that, that's what I want. I want them to host a home playoff game. Well, I think that's what we're all looking forward to. And I think that, uh, you know, one of these days when we start winning, the uh, the, the super ultra positive, maybe uh, two naively positive fans like myself and the uh, the critical fans and, and, and as like our, our elected official uh, the top of the government likes to say, even the haters and the losers will all come together in Jacksonville and, uh, and celebrate together. So it'll be super exciting. Um, where can we follow you on Twitter and elsewhere? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at J underscore Seatman. That's S-I-E-T-T-M-A-N-N. Uh, you know, I you know, I try to try to produce a lot of content, gonna be doing that more. And then, you know, just look up my articles on Big Cat Country. I'm gonna have a lot of stuff coming throughout training camp. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, great people there. Um, Zach Goodall does a lot of good stuff. Alfie always 
does really great stuff. Ryan Day, Ryan O'Bless is another guy who I think his articles have been really great. Uh, we're really trying to produce good content for you guys this year. Um, you know, there, uh, there's a lot of people I'm excited about, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the Jaguars too. As much as it doesn't seem like it, I'm really excited to get back in the season. So just you know, follow me on Twitter. You know, read my articles in Big Cat Country. You know, we, we promise at Big Cat Country we love the Jaguars just as much as you do. And uh, we want them to be great. So, you know, just, uh, you know, give us a lot of views. Give us a lot of uh, – this year has been really great for us, by the way, at Big Cat Country. Uh, we've had basically a record amount of views and stuff like that. So nice. keep keep visiting. Keep – and keep, you know, you know, getting on us in the comment sections, and uh, we'll respond back. Yeah, and here's my thing. Like, follow Jimmy and read his stuff. He's a really good writer. He take He has some interesting takes. But be respectful in the comment section, all right. And if you don't like what he has to say, write your own article. I mean, don't don't be like, crazy. Yeah. And don't uh, yeah, don't personally message me on Facebook either. <laughs> don't uh, be creepy. That, yeah, that was that was a little bit uh, that was a little bit crazy. But you know what? I'm all here for discussion. I love talking Jaguars. Like it's it's my favorite thing to do. I love having good you know discussions about it. And just be respectful because I'll be respectful back. And at the end of the day, you know, we all want them to win. But uh. It's great being able to talk football, man. I'm glad you had me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, Jimmy, thanks so much for being on. Again, Jimmy Seatman, he writes for uh, Big Cat Country and a uh, real talented guy and uh, super appreciative of you being on tonight. So uh, thanks again, and uh, we will talk to you guys next time.